Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. No job success, no financial gain could ever replace the joy that a father or a mother will feel when they see that their children have grown up, come to faith, married right, are doing a good job with their own kids. There's nothing will satisfy you and me more than that. Because if you correct your child, he'll give you peace and he'll bring the light to your soul. Parenting our kids can feel pretty overwhelming at times, but as we'll hear in today's message, the hard work we invest now will be worth it all in the end. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy continues a series in the book of Proverbs. This Old Testament book provides wisdom for a variety of practical situations, and among the most important is training our kids how to develop life-giving discernment. If you want to catch up on a previous segment of this message, visit ktt.org. Let's get started. Here's Pastor Philip DeCourcy. This book and its authors have a passionate desire to address the issue of children and their upbringing. The authors of this book are passionate about the fact that life is a moral minefield fraught with spiritual danger for the next generation. A step in the wrong direction, and our sons and our daughters could be maimed for life, or worse still, they could be lost for eternity. And if that were not enough to worry about, The book of Proverbs recognizes that our children are walking time bombs themselves. And apart from God's gracious intervention and the work of parents, they will self-destruct through godless folly. Not surprisingly then, the book of Proverbs wants to advise parents to train and instruct their children in the ways of wisdom. I want to help our young couples I'm going to run through these. These are 12 principles about how to apply the rod. We know where, we know when, and we know we must, and we must do it sufficiently painfully. Well, let's talk about how. Number one, be consistent in what is right and wrong. Don't have a flavor of the month sin. Sit down and, and set some rules in your home. Make them clear. Let the children know, you know what, this is acceptable, this is unacceptable. Don't have the child guessing. And whatever you do, don't have this flavor of the month sin where you, you know, you, you really go on one issue to the ignoring of others. And you do it inconsistently and you do it haphazardly. Because that is Ephesians 6 verse 4. Do not provoke your children to wrath through your wrath. So be consistent. Be as fair as you can to the child. Make known to them as much as is possible what is expected of them so that they know what the boundaries are. Number two, carry out the discipline once those boundaries have been crossed consciously. Carry out the discipline in private. The best place is either take them home if you're near home or if you're going to be away and you can't get home in a sufficient time to make the the, the connection between the disobedience and the discipline stick, then look for a corner somewhere, a quiet place somewhere. Discipline's not humiliation. This is a family issue. And and you need to do it in private. You need to do it consistently. Number three, you need to explain to the child the reason for the spanking. Now, if you've been consistent about the rules and the regulations, 
then you can, you can explain to the child and the child can understand very quickly. You know what? I understand that I, I shouldn't have done that because you've told me not to do that on multiple occasions. So explain to the child the reason. Number four, take time and have the child acknowledge the wrong they have done and the rightness of the punishment. Have the child acknowledge that they're, what they're about to get is what they deserve. Help them think that process through. There's moral accountability in this life. God has authorized the parent. When the parent is disobeyed, God is disobeyed when his law is being broken. And I have to qualify that. If you've set up your own man-made rules, well, you need to be careful with those. But once we've set down a biblical boundary and a moral axiom for our children and they disobey it, then we punish them and we get them to acknowledge what they have done wrong and the fact that they deserve what they're about to get. Five, remove clothing that will lessen the impact of spanking. You know, check for textbooks down the back of the trousers. Whatever the case might be, they've got to feel the sting of disobedience and its consequence. Number six, at an appropriate time after the spanking, affirm your love to the child and even pray with the child. Okay, this isn't to be harsh. This isn't some, you know, tyrant standing over the child, some, you know, drill sergeant scaring the child out of its skin. Now, this is a father or a mother equally saying to the child, you know what? I love you so much that I can't let you keep on doing that because that would lead to consequences that won't be good for you, good for us or anybody else. So I'm going to teach you a painful lesson. And after you've taught them that painful lesson, you embrace them or sometime during the night or as soon as possible, reinforce to them, you know what? You know I love you and I did that because I love you. If you don't do that, a vacuum is created. Bitterness and distance can grow in a situation like that. Number seven, remember to administer discipline out of love and not anger. And so ask yourself frequently, do you feel the pain you're inflicting? You know, it's not about us, you know, getting rid of our frustration. If you are angry and frustrated, maybe take a moment or two to gather your emotions and make sure that what you're about to do is fair and proportionate. Number nine, remember that discipline should be age-appropriate and child-specific. We all know that our children have different temperaments to some degree. Each parent knows that they've had to sit on one child more than another. And you and I need to think that through and be child-specific. Sometimes a rebuke with a certain child will do rather than the rod. Plus, you got to think about age-appropriate there comes a point, I think of myself as a father with my daughters, where these steps that I've doc- just talked to are just inappropriate with teenage girls. I've got to think that through and say, well, okay, if that's not available to me at a certain point, hopefully that's done its work, but what are those other things available to me as a parent to reinforce the rules? Number 10, ensure a loving and close relationship with the child in the context of discipline. We've kind of touched this, but I'm going with it in a little different direction. Because Josh McDowell says this, rules without relationship produces rebellion. I'm talking about rules. I'm talking about being stern. I'm talking about being disciplined. I'm talking about homes that have certain fences. That's biblical. It's right. But that's got to take place in the context of a very loving, vibrant relationship. 
The father that disciplines his son ought to be the father that plays ball with his son, laughs with his son, watches television with his son, puts his arm around his son. The father that disciplines his daughter or the mother that disciplines his daughter should spend time with those girls, laugh with those girls, shop with those girls, commend them for the being pretty so that when the discipline comes, it's done in a context of affirmation and security. It's not this cold parent who's taking out their bitterness about life in the child. Nothing can be more destructive, but it happens in Christian homes. Believe me, it does. But a child that knows that their mom and dad love them lavishly, well, they'll respect what's being done. In fact, Hebrews 12, verse 7, verse 9 says that, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. What kind of child respects a father who spanks, a child who knows the deep love of that father. Number 11, don't be frightened to admit your inconsistency and inappropriate discipline. If you have overstepped your boundaries, perhaps you've sensed that you've smacked them to a point of access, admit that and ask them to forgive. In the opposite direction, number 12, be just as quick to reward and praise for obedience as you are to discipline. When they do good, affirm them, reward them, bless them, thank them, give praise to God that his work is taking root in their life. The child will love that. Discipline them, but encourage them. Challenge them, but bless them. Okay, let's move on secondly to the reproof. The rod, that's one side of this balance in discipline, but there's the reproof. Go back to Proverbs 29 verse 15. 29.15, the rod and the rebuke give wisdom. The word rebuke here is a verbal reprimand. It's clear and convincing moral argument for accepting a certain belief or certain behavior. In fact, the root of the word is judicial. And so it speaks of determining what's right. God has given you that authority through his word, correctly interpreted, to stand before your child, almost like a judge, a prosecutor, and say, look, you need to listen. This is the right way to live. This is the wrong way to live. Here's the reasons why this is the right way. Here's the blessings if you follow the right way. Here's the consequences if you don't. Here's the heartache that will result. So the rod makes them teachable, and then the rebuke or the reproof or the instruction teaches them. This is important because the rod simply works from the outside in. It reveals hard issues. It reminds our child that what they're doing is wrong. But that's all the rod can do. The rebuke will engage the mind and the heart and now help the child think through the issues of the heart, the sin issues, the disobedience, the need to fear God, the need to love God, the need to honor parents, the need to serve others, the need to put one's faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. These are compelling arguments that the parent must bring to the heart and mind of the child. And if we love them sufficiently, their hearts will open to that rebuke and hear that reproof. Look at Proverbs 23 and you'll see this at work. Proverbs 23, verse 13. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself. Yes, my, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Here's a father bearing his heart to a son. 
He's saying, look, I will have no greater joy. My life will mean something. There will be purpose to all that I've done if you grow up and live out what I'm teaching you. Verse 17, do not let your heart envy sinners. Be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day, for surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. He's telling his son, look, think about eternity. You, you just don't get to go around once and that's what it's all about. Grabbing all the gusto as you can. No, there's a hereafter. Hear my son, verse 19, and be wise. Guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine bibbers, with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. Verse 22, listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. You see the rebuking, the reproving that's going on here? His father is setting his son down in a context of love where the child has known the father's discipline, where he's caught his son's attention. Now he's teaching him the ways of wisdom. And that's important. The rod gets their attention while the rebuke seeks to capture their heart. Consistently and creatively, each child needs to be taught right and wrong from a biblical perspective. The Bible tells us to reason with them about our faith. And it also tells us to be a great reason for faith. We need to live what we're expecting them to live. There's no point you and I teaching our children about purity and then our children coming into the living room and finding dad watching something questionable. They've got to see it. They've got to hear it as we ask them to do it. And the child would do well to heed this instruction for life is in its wisdom and death is in its dismissal. What's the family altar looking like in your home? Are you teaching your children formally? Are you teaching them informally? Do you talk about biblical things in the car? Do you take incidences in a movie or a conversation or a news piece and turn them to a biblical perspective and say, hey, did you notice that? And how that goes against God's word? Did you, did you notice the temptation in that? Did you notice the sleight of hand and how they're trying to deceive young people in terms of this lifestyle? Constantly teaching them. Constantly teaching them. In those early years, formally. In those latter years, a little bit more informally. Using life itself and their engagement of life to teach them, looking for opportunities. My children, your children, to a degree, are like a computer. The input determines the output. And I have got to work hard and you've got to work hard at downloading into their mind and their hearts the unerring, infallible truth of God's Word so that they might find their way to the cross, that they might know how to approach God, that they might know how to walk the paths of obedience. I've got to rebuke them, reprove them, teach them, instruct them, admonish them. Which brings me to the last thought. Give me five minutes here and we'll try and wrap this up. The basis of discipline, the depravity of the child, the devotion of the parent. The beginning of discipline early because of the curiosity and compliance and conversion factor. The balance of discipline, the rod and the reproof. Fourthly, the blessing of discipline. If you will discipline your child, it will be a blessing. Now, they don't believe that for one second. They're a bit like um, Winston Churchill when he lost his bid for re-election after World War II. His wife tried to console him by saying it was a blessing in disguise, to which Churchill replied, if it is, it's very well disguised. 
And I think when you and I discipline our children and tell them it's a blessing, they would reply like that. Well, dad, it must be a very well-disguised blessing, but it is a blessing. I'll give you two aspects to the blessing. Let me tell you why it's a blessing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. We've quoted it, but again, I want to root my thinking in the text. Hebrews 12, verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. You know, we've all walked a plank as kids. Remember those times? You know, dad's just, okay. For me, it was upstairs. And I remember walking up those stairs to the landing of our two-story home. It was like walking the plank. It didn't seem joyful, and I knew it was going to be painful. But nevertheless, afterward, it yields peaceable fruit. It did in my life. I remember being in situations. I remember being in a riot in Belfast. There were petrol bombs. There were stones. I remember being caught up in that as an unsaved boy from a Christian home. And I remember standing in the midst of that crowd, restraining my involvement because of a father's love and a father's discipline. And me saying to myself, even as an unsaved boy, I can't do this. My dad wouldn't want me to do this. There was blessing in the discipline. It does yield results. And those results are, one, it advances life, and number two, it averts death. It advances life. This is a quick point. Wisdom was given to Israel so that they might live life happily and effectively and successfully. We've made that point again and again. Remember the word wisdom, chokmah, means for the craftsman to be skillful in his work, either in wood or stone. And, And wisdom is the ability to take life and craft it skillfully. And so when you and I obey the wisdom of God's word, it advances life. And when you and I apply the wisdom of the book of Proverbs in terms of discipline, it's good for our family. In fact, there is a specific verse that chooses this. Look at Proverbs 29, verse 17. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Tell me this. And I'm sure there, if I could take time and ask some of our grandparents to stand up, they would tell you, there is no greater joy, to borrow the words of the apostle John, than to see your children walk in the truth. No job success, no financial gain could ever replace the joy that a man or a woman, a father or a mother will feel when they see that their children have grown up, come to faith, married right, are doing a good job with their own kids. There's nothing will satisfy you and me more than that. That's what I'm striking for. Because if you correct your child, he'll give you peace. And he'll bring delight to your soul. In fact, the Hebrew here, the way it's written in the Hebrew, the Hephel, carries the idea of the parent being able to relax because they're not worried about what the child is going to do next. That's the picture there. The parent is at rest. They're not worried about the child. The child isn't a burden to them. They're not concerned. And the father and mother sleeps well. They're joyful grandparents. (laughs) They're reaping the benefits of all that hard work. It advances life. Finally, it averts death. This is a striking thought. This is the blessing of discipline. This is why we must do it. Because remember what we said, foolishness is bound up in the heart of our children. Moral disobedience and folly, that's our children. And the seeds of disaster are bound up in their heart. And you and I have got to pull out those seeds by the roots or a bitter harvest will result. That's why Proverbs urges parents to discipline their children and not to set their heart on their destruction. You've got to look at this verse with me. Proverbs 19, verse 18. 
Proverbs 19, verse 18. Chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on its destruction. Isn't that an amazing verse? We all want to do what's best for our children. I know that. But here's what it's saying. It's not saying that any one of us would set out consciously to do that. But if you're not willing to use the rod under rebuke, if you don't take seriously the sin nature of your child, if you don't start early, you unconsciously are setting yourself up and your child up for trouble. That's what that verse is saying. You've got to discipline because if you, you must because it will advance life. If you don't, it will advance death. A family had taken to the shelter in their basement. It was a severe storm. They'd been warned on the radio about a tornado that was in their locality. And so they took shelter down in the basement of their home. And when it had passed, the father thought it was time to take a look at the damage. And so they opened the doors of their storm shelter. And there was a down power line whipping dangerously in the street in front of their house. Before the father realized what was happening, his five-year-old daughter ran right by him, headed for the sparkling wire in the middle of the street. Laurie, stop, he yelled, but she kept running. Laurie, stop, he yelled, but she kept running, enticed by this sparkling, dancing wire. Stop now, Laurie, he cried. But little Laurie reached down, picked up the wire, and was instantly killed. Can you imagine the heartbreak of witnessing that and then living on the other side of that kind of tragedy? It's the real tragedy not that the little girl had never been taught that when her father said no, he really meant no. That's the tragedy. If that little girl had learned to stop when daddy said stop, life would have been advanced and death would have been averted. And our children need to learn to obey us because it is the first step to them learning to obey God. Therefore, do not withhold correction from your child because you might, by God's grace, deliver his soul from death and hell. You're listening to Know the Truth and the conclusion of a message from Philip DeCourcy called Keeping Dennis from Becoming a Menace. It's possible you'd like to hear more on this important topic. When you visit our website, you'll find today's message and several others we've prepared with parents in mind. Go online to ktt.org and look for the series called That Makes Good Sense. You know, we need to know the truth and be equipped with God's powerful word, whether it be for guidance in our own lives or for training up our children in the way they should go. And that's why at Know the Truth, sharing God's word is our mission. Every day, we teach the life-changing truth of the Bible with listeners all over the country so they can take hold of the wisdom and guidance Jesus has provided for us. Some hear the gospel for the very first time by listening to Know the Truth. But without generous friends like you, this ministry would not be possible. So, if you would like to help us reach more souls for Jesus, would you consider giving monthly as a truth ambassador or perhaps give a one-time gift of any amount? Call us at 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. As a thank you for your gift, you'll receive What God Wants Every Dad to Know, a book that encourages and equips fathers to lead their children to live each day guided by God's wisdom. 
And as a bonus, we'll also invite you to send Philip's encouraging book, Take Cover, to a loved one of your choice. Identifying the major dangers that Christians are facing today, like crime, aggressive secularism, and spiritual warfare, Pastor Philip shows you how you can take cover in God-given promises and protections. Just select a friend and we'll send it to them. Both resources are yours with a gift of any amount to know the truth. Call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. Well, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Tune in tomorrow as Philip DeCourcy continues our series in the Old Testament book of Proverbs with a message titled, Let's Be Honest. That's Tuesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.